Do you talk with your animals? Do you know what they are trying to tell you? I'm Tammy Hendricks, and this is Tammy's Soul Speak for Animals podcast. I've been communicating with animals since I was four years old, and what I have consistently witnessed is our animals want to be part of our everyday conversations. Let me help you listen more deeply to your animal, and you just might learn a few things about yourself along the way. On this episode, we're going to discuss befriending grief and loss, how to make peace with life's experiences. When we lose our beloved pets, it can be just as devastating as human loss. We often find ourselves lost and unable to move forward. We're going to take a look at how our stories open doors for healing and how the animal's deaths reveal our connection to all life. Each moment provides a window of opportunity, one that opens and eventually closes. What we do with those moments matters. Let's get the conversation started. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, Thank you for being here. Looking forward to our conversation. I always feel like these are conversations that really matter, and they matter to all of us, and it's a shared experience. So I welcome you into our gathering, which is really less of a show, more about sharing and witnessing and exploring the many faces of grief, loss, and death. You know, when we lose our beloved pets, it can be, and most often is, just as devastating as a human loss. There's really no difference. You know, only the form is different, but if you think about it, It's only in one fundamental way in our bodies, whether we're a fur body or a human body. In the end, we all return to that formless spirit. And then I would have to say, where's the difference then? There wasn't any difference to begin with. I don't know about you, but for me, when loss and grief comes to visit, it can feel like an uninvited guest barging in through the doors of our lives, uh, taking our breath away and stealing our very identities. Grief can feel like a vortex pulling us into a tar pit, one that we fear we'll never get out of again. I've always equated um, loss and grief and death and, you know, you name it, kind of like the transformation bomb that gets dropped into the room when we're not expecting it. And even if we're expecting it, it feels like a transformation bomb because it changes us forever. It changes who we are. Um, It changes how we see the world. We're never the same after. And so I want to share with you, um, it's, I I believe it's part of a chapter that's being written. Um, I wrote this a while ago and realized as I wrote that it was kind of forming itself. And then I, I, I was thinking as I was doing the show prep, oh my goodness, what a, helpful thing maybe to share this with you. So if you, you know, if you can hang with me for a minute, this is like Tammy's story time, which I love to read things to you. So in December, 2004, a transformation bomb dropped into my life. My sister suddenly passed in a tragic accident. I wasn't prepared for her to pass, though she had lived a tumultuous life. And I'd often thought she wouldn't live long. In my mind, I'd already experienced enough big loss to last a lifetime, and I had decided I was done with it. I was pissed, angry. My thoughts ran like this. How dare she just up and leave me to deal with her loss? 
She didn't even tell me ahead of time. No one gave me the memo. She didn't ask me how I would feel. The reality was that I didn't want to feel, period. And this was forcing me to do just that. Now, I know these thoughts aren't rational or logical or even terribly kind. In her defense, she obviously didn't know me any notice ahead of time. And when I looked back, she had given me a heads up two weeks before in a casual phone call where we were just catching up. But I had worked hard at creating a life with few cataclysmic disturbances. I rather liked my peaceful garden life. Yes, I had decided long ago, no more upheavals for me. Wrong. Transformation occurs at the edge of our comfort zones, and mine had been blown wide open. Transformation is a cracking open of all defenses and heart barricades. All this is the way life is supposed to be that reveals bits and pieces of our soul, the fractured parts of us that we've kept locked away from ourselves. Her leaving marked the beginning of my descent into the pits of grief and sadness as every prior loss I had ever experienced in my life decided to pay me a visit. Grief came up like a swamp golem, torturing my thoughts and mind, and worst of all, my heart. Life became gray, and I went numb. I resorted to what I always had done as a child. I sought out the animals. Murphy was always by my side, which gave me comfort. I hugged him a lot. But every night, I would sneak off from the family to sit with Snoopy, a patient, kind, and loving hound mix, who was like a mother to us all. And since I was a motherless daughter, she was like the perfect match. Though Snoopy had her own transformation bomb happen by going blind, she seemed to be able to handle it with a grace and acceptance I had always admired. No one in my family knew. During the day, I would function as if nothing had occurred. I was a mom a business owner, and had a busy life with the kids and the animals. Life had gone on, yet every night I would disappear to tuck her in. She and I would hunker down, soft music playing in the background while I hugged her neck, sobbing and rocking back and forth. I felt orphaned again. This went on for months. I didn't realize it at the time, but the very support I needed, a friend, a comforting mother or sister, came in the form of animals. Healing hurts, and mine had just begun. You know, I believe from that perspective and earlier in my life as I was introduced to grief and loss and sadness uh, quite a bit with my family, I didn't realize the value actually of those dark emotions, let me call them that, the ones that signal soul growth in, on, on its highest level. That doesn't mean they're easy and it doesn't mean they're welcomed. I usually have to get kicked into that part of my life. And though I understand more now, I remember vividly all the different pieces of grief and loss and resistance and um, all the varying words that I would use to go with that. Um, and so before the show, I was reading Brene's Brown new book, Atlas of the Heart. And I want to share with you some quotes that resonated with me, this one particular one, especially with this sensitive subject. And if you haven't had a chance to read it, I mean, I'm, I'm not through it completely yet. It's amazing. It's very, very, very good. 
Um, anguish not only takes our ability to breathe, feel, and think, it comes for our bones. Anguish often causes us to physically crumple in on ourselves, literally bringing us to our knees or forcing us all the way to the ground. The element of powerlessness is what makes anguish traumatic. We are unable to change, reverse, or negotiate what, what has happened. And even in those situations where we can temporarily reroute anguish with to-do lists and tasks, it finds its way back to us. And that's what happened to me for sure. I thought if you had asked me at the time that my sister passed, if I had moved through all the other pieces of my life, of my mother passing, my father passing, all the different um, tragedies in between all that, I would have said, yeah, no, I'm great. Good to go. Everything's fine. And so, <clears throat> you know, when, when that transformation bomb drops in, it reminds us of all these pieces of ourselves we maybe haven't resolved or worked through or, you know, they, they, it gives us an opportunity to, you know, take a look at it, feel it whether we want to or not. It's really a gift and that's the gift in the, in the circumstances that I always try to reach for and I encourage people, you know, to don't disregard this piece that you, that you go through when you're feeling the loss of an animal, especially or human either way. Um, but also at some point there may be some different perspective that comes in. And so while I sat with Snoopy for those many, many, um, well, it went on for quite some time, actually. Um, my sister passed in December and by September, I was still the next year. I was still pretty knee deep in, in grief. Um, but you know what, when I was sitting with Snoopy, she told me like the most, the three most important questions we would have at the end of any life, whether you want in the transition or the one left behind. Number one, how have I loved? Number two, am I loved? And number three, did I matter? I think the, those three questions, when we think about how animals pass, the tragic ways it can happen, our responses, our reactions to them, if we think about that, it takes us to a different place, even if we don't agree with the circumstances. And I certainly, on you know, at the beginning, disagreed with how my sister left. <laughs> I've disagreed with animals on how they've left. And it's not, you know... It's, it's, it's a matter of trying to, I guess, work the pieces of my heart around which to, and mind with which just happened. And I think it's probably, you know, common for all of us. Um, but in the end, those things are the most important in the essence. It's like what matters most. What matters most is not the how. It just isn't. And I wrote a piece um, I don't have it with me. It's on my blog. It's what matters most if you get a chance to read it, but it is a snippet about my mother passing and my response to that. And what I realized, anything that had happened, all the misunderstandings, all the pieces that, you know, you want to apologize for anything, any regrets that you may have had in the, in the moment of a passing, in the moment of a transition, only the essence is what's important. The essence of that life and the essence is love.
So at the end of my time with my mother in the hospital, I literally, nothing else would come out of my mouth, but I love you. That was it. And I realized as I was looking into her eyes, into her soul, that's all that mattered anyway. It wasn't all the other, it was all trivia. It was all unimportant. And it's so important that if we can keep perspective while we're experiencing uh, any losses, any transitions, then that's going to help us get underneath to what matters most. So how do we make peace with our life's experiences of grief and loss? I think it's this. We tell our stories. We share our sadness. And I also pulled from, I think this is just brilliant, the way Brene Brown um, states is, in our saddest moments, we want to be held by or connected to someone who has known that same ache. Even if what has caused it is completely different, we don't want our sadness overlooked or diminished by someone who can't tolerate what we're feeling because they're unwilling or unable to own their own sadness. That touched me very deeply, you know, and depending on what side of the experience we're on, a compassionate witness is what's called for. And, you know, I was reading in, in Brene's book about compassion fatigue and, and what that actually is versus, and I've always had a little different, uh, you know, understanding, I guess, of, of compassion um, than maybe, I don't know, maybe not is currently uh, or commonly thought of. But basically, you know, a compassionate witness is someone who's capable of holding the space while the other goes through the experience not trying to fix anything, but hearing the other story and not inserting ourselves into it. Um, compassion is actually a cool energy. It's neutral. It's present. It's, it's complete love. Compassion doesn't have the need to stop anything, uh, fix something that it, it doesn't perceive as wrong. It is simply a presence. Uh, it's, it's a holding space in a very... Um, highly mm, energetic way that allows for the being that is going through whatever to process and go through. Um, and it makes you available that what's happening in any moment of any situation. So just like with my mother, you know, she, I didn't know what to do and I was worried I would do the wrong thing. And I was only 25 and all these conflicted feelings. And I was concerned that, you know, I was going to hurt her, not know how to help her, and she needed water. And that compassion, I wasn't trying to fix it. It was just the compassion was still there on how, what does the person need? How do I support them? What is it I'm called to do in the moment? It's that, that, that level of presence that I think is, it's easy to lose when we're also on the front lines experiencing it. So I want to do a a quick, well, it's not even quick. I want to do an exercise with you just to take a minute, if you, if you would. I want you to think back to a time where you experienced the loss of an animal or a human. What were you feeling? What hit you? What memories came up or did any memories come up in that moment? How did that affect you in, 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 in the moment of and then I would extend that to how did it affect you as you were traveling through that experience? 
what words would you use to describe your experience? You know, it's our stories that contain our history, our blueprints for living and dying. Our stories are gateways. They're healing nuggets containing both the painful history and the potential growth. And our stories can lead us straight to the essence of any situation. When we have situations that we don't feel like we we did the correct thing or we we somehow should have done this and we could have made it different. You know, there's the regret, there's the the guilt piece. Um, and by the way, how are those different? <laughs> regret and guilt. I think they're almost like uh, tied together in a way. Um, you know, guilt is something that we feel we've done that we can undo. I think regret is we could say, I wish, I wish I could, I wish I would have known this. You know, when we're in it, we're experiencing it. When it's over, that's when the story starts forming itself already. Um, but when we see it from their perspective, focus becomes even more personal and heart-centered rather than objective. I'm going to pull up a, a story, and I have Janet's permission to share this. And I think it's a really, really good example of, of what we we all have done. And I resonate so she's, she says, so a little backstory leading up to the guilt. A month or so before Grace passed, she started being finicky about her food. Grace always ate her food. I figured she was bored and tried several things for a variety. This worked for a bit, and then I had to change it again. About two weeks before she passed, she only wanted to eat snacks and refused her food, but let me hand feed her each meal. At this point, I knew something was wrong, and it was happening exactly when the pandemic scare hit. I was in denial of this sign and dealing with the fear of the pandemic at the same time. She also became very active between midnight and 6 a.m., which started several months earlier, a sign of dementia or transitioning. I don't know what about. It was taking its toll on me as she would not take no for an answer, so I was getting up two or four times a night to take her out. Most times I did it without a grumble, but there were times I was so tired from only getting one to three hours sleep um, that came across his anger trying to get her to go back to bed without taking her out, but it was really frustration from sleep deprivation. I would eventually give in and take her out. I hate that part, that I didn't fully understand what was happening. Then one night I didn't give in soon enough. She would go off and on the bed waiting for me to get up. She jumped down and landed wrong and broke her back leg. I knew it was over then. I can still feel it. She had enough trouble getting up as it was from arthritis, so having surgery in recovery would have been really hard on her at this stage and age. She knew it was time to. She'd been trying to show me, but I was overwhelmed with everything so it wasn't completely registering, or I was in denial. I wanted to be with her when it was her time. She gave, it, she gave that to me. But yes, I wanted it to be different. I would have had the vet come to the house, and if I got to that point, 3 a.m. in the morning, when it happens, still haunts me. So she ended up getting, taking her. She said, I sat and hugged and kissed her and cried for as long as we could. I talked to her and told her how sorry I was and about our life together. I knew this was our last time together, and so did she. I didn't want to push it with her pain level. So we, we were at the vet, and the vet 
told me that since she was had had advancing age and arthritis issues, um, he wanted to let me know that it was okay that he would support that decision. And they let her be part of that too. And so what I asked Janet was, it feels like the vet's role was to validate that you were already, what you were already feeling that you hadn't faced. And yes, you hate how it played out. If you look at the transition time again, the nights taking her out, what else can you see? You've described it from looking at what was going on, but what parts were you present for? What mattered most? And this was her response. Dignity. Honoring and respecting that final phase of her life. Being gentle and compassionate with her. Being with her and holding space for her. That is seeing it from the animal's perspective. They don't see what we haven't done or what we've done wrong. They don't see that. All they see and can feel is the truth of any situation, which is where our hearts were. What were we doing? Who are we as real as people? Who are we as spirit? And so it's important that if I appreciate that, Janet, for you letting me share that because I think it's a really poignant and powerful story. And it's so important that as we tell our stories, we include ourselves in the story. We don't, you know, judge. It's okay if you if you go through that part of it, that's fine. But just know there's another another phase to that. And this one shift in perspective allows the healing to begin as we're reminded of our continuing connection to them. What a wonderful, wonderful time we've had together. Thank you so much for being here today. What an honor that you've joined me in this. What an honor that we can have conversations that matter, that we can take with us and think about later and maybe help others. Hopefully they help us. Please don't hesitate to uh, let us hear further from you on the Facebook page. And if you haven't joined the group, uh, Tammy Soul Speak with Animals, please, please join. It's a wonderful group. Uh, We all share together. We all hold hands together. Uh, That's what I love. We all learn from each other um, every day. Thank you for joining today. I hope to see you again. Conversation continues. You've been listening to Tammy's Soul Speak for Animals podcast. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Tammy's Soul Speak for Animals, and like my Facebook page, Soul Speak with Tammy Hendricks. Thank you for joining me as we change the way we communicate with animals and each other, one conversation at a time.